Sup, ladies and gentlemen, Aklon here, and uh, of course, as always, joined by Rurikon, bringing you the frozen sodium throne. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Rurikon, how you doing, brother? I am extremely tired from pretty much playing Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak nonstop over the last couple of weeks. It's been absolute insanity. I've been streaming like a maniac, and it's been a hell of of a lot of fun to play a video game that actually respects your time and doesn't, you know, nice. give you a bunch of nonsense. Just like, hey, here's some monsters to kill. Kill some monsters. Craft some armor. It's friggin' fantastic, dude. I got, I, I got, I still have to tell you one of these days about the, the yeah. loop mechanics of Monster Hunter because it's so freeing. It feels so good, man, to, to just go and and grind dude, stuff in Monster Hunter, dude. I'm super addicted. It's nice to play games where. You can tell their focus was on fun, right? Yeah. The, like everything they did with the game was meant to be. All right, is this going to be fun? N nah, let's leave that thing. Because uh, you could very easily look at a game like Monster Hunter Rise, and right off the top of my head, I can give you like fifteen things I could do to make money out of that game. Oh, right? yeah, dude, yeah. Like, there, there are a, so many ways that i could milk you as a player there was game. actually an an article uh a long time ago this was like when monster hunter really came to the to the forefront of the industry which was like 2018 mm -hmm. when they released monster hunter world everybody was like oh my god this game's amazing even though monster hunter had been around since forever but uh yeah. there was an article of you know in in an interview that they did with developers because during those days, there was a lot of people talking about loot boxes in 2018. I mean, we're still all talking about loot boxes and how much they friggin' suck. But yeah. in the in the article, they were like, are you guys going to put loot boxes into the game or something? And it, it'd be super easy to just, like, integrate. Hey, oh, yeah. like, there's some rare materials that you can get from monsters. Developers could very easily be, hey, you want to... You want to just buy this rare material that you need to craft this weapon? Hey, we'll just sell this for easy. to you for... Like, it'd be super easy. And Dude, I think weapons in those loot boxes because yeah. that's literally what the game is about and yeah but it's like basically the, the the developer i don't remember who it was if it was rios or not because rios is like the main guy behind it but i know that whoever mm -hmm. they were in, they were interviewing was like we don't think that loot boxes would be an appropriate uh thing to put in our progression system so no we're not going to do that <laughs> <laughs> Nice. They're just like this is not appropriate for our progression system. The whole core of the game oh, God, is dude. for people to hunt, learn, get <laughs> stuff, and then learn more and hunt more. And the, so they oh, were just like, God. "This would break the progression of our game, and we're not interested." No, no, we're not. We're not going to do that. And so far, have they haven't that. touched any of that. Like they'll sell you oh, cosmetics yeah. and stuff in in these games, but beyond yeah. that, they've never. And here's the interesting thing, and why. Uh -huh. Because a lot of people sometimes they, they come to me and they're like, Rurikon, why don't you protest the amount of cosmetics that you get in Monster Hunter? And I'm like, for starters, I have mentioned that in my other podcast. I'm like, I feel like with Rise, they went a little bit overboard on the number of cosmetics. But the interesting yeah. thing is that at the end of the day, I always feel that there's better cosmetic options. Because you also have cosmetic options in the game that you unlock. They're yeah. just like, oh, all of these armors, this is all layered. It's kind of like the World of Warcraft system where you... You, you know, you just collect the piece and it's like, okay, now you can apply that yeah. to whatever. They have a system very similar to that. It's just you have to craft it. You craft layered armors and then you can apply them. And okay. it's like, I always find that the cosmetic options in the game 
are usually mm-hmm. more interesting to me than the stuff that they're selling for microtransactions. I'm like, I don't care. I like the stuff that's in yeah. the game way better. So, and it shows that like they're putting an actual effort in the things that are in the oh, game. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, whatever, sell microtransactions, do whatever you want. So long as you're not selling power, which they sell yeah. none. It's like, it's not even like a slight, like a boost, like zero. There's nothing. nothing. There's so absolutely there's no, there's- nothing. Not even like catch-up gear that can Nuff, be bought. From I mean, the they they give Nuff. you catch-up catch-up gear for free. Like for instance, right, uh, for go. for Rise before Sunbreak, what they did yeah. was okay. So we know that this is a massive expansion. A lot of people are going to want to play this expansion, uh, and you know, not everybody might have played Base Rise. So we're just going to introduce this new set into the game, and you don't even have to craft it. They just give it to you, and it's like. This is kind of like catch-up gear, basically. You can equip this mm-hmm. gear and then beat the crap out of the, the base game faster and go into the expansion. So they literally just give you catch-up nice. gear. Which is, even then, I don't even think it's worth it for people to craft the catch-up gear because the experience of leveling up is just so much fun. But for the people that yeah. do want to burn through the game, the option is there. Yeah, I, I think it's nice to hear when developers are connected to their players yeah. insofar as... Uh, the developers respect the product that they're making. And that answer from that developer, whoever he was, that said, we don't think that that would be right for our progression system, means that he respects what their game is all about. And when he looks at loot boxes, the cons outweigh the pros. There's just too many cons. Yes, we're going to make money, but in the process, we're going to destroy our progression system. And we don't want to do that. We like our progression system. Uh, and, and it sort of ties neatly into the first topic that I uh, want to discuss. Um, I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about the no, 100 no, people we in got, Blizzard first. We got, we got time. I mean, um, while, while we're on this, let's just keep going. Yeah. All right. There's an article that came out. Uh, I linked you the article as well uh, in um, in Discord. Yeah. I'm not sure if uh, uh, the people on uh podcast is going to be able to see it i don't know if you're going to show it to people on a video but i'll give you guys the rundown quickly uh it's on eurogamer.net and a new study shows that video game market is set to decline year on year in 2022 and the byline of it reads it's wrong to assume games industry recession proof um now very quickly just to give people a rundown Uh, When video games became big, sort of in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, there was this belief, and actually the belief held up, that video games are Uh, recession-proof. We saw that during the 1999 uh, tech bubble that burst, video game industry kept growing. During 2008, with the financial housing market crisis, video games kept growing. Uh, during 2014, with the, ta- uh, the 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 taper tantrums and stuff, video game market kept growing. There during was 2018. Bef- before before we keep going, though, I just wanted to point out yeah. that at some point in those years, I don't remember exactly which year it was, but there was a point at which there was a recession in the video game market, which was around the time that yeah. uh, you know the whole thing about the ET game, where they even like buried Nintendo. a bunch of them and. In a landfill, yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't Nintendo. So I think was it was Atari or whatever it was. I think it was Atari, actually Atari. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And uh, You're right, Atari. I, I, I remember that one of the reasons why this thing ended up happening is because you know they kept pushing people. Okay, just make more games, make them faster, go, go, go. Right. Oh, yeah. And what happened? Like they were just like pumping them out. They're pumping them out, not even like 
doing quality control and whatever. And then eventually yeah. what ended up happening, like a landfill chuck full of ET games, which actually like a couple of years ago, somebody went looking for that because a lot of people are like, oh, this is this urban myth. And they did find yeah. them. They found yeah. the ET cartridges. <laughs> Which is just like they filled up a landfill with that garbage. <laughs> I mean, so here's the thing. Uh, yes, Atari made two mistakes in uh, sort of short succession of one another that led to the video game crash of the 80s. This was yeah. like uh, mid to late 80s, I believe, uh, is when this happened. But Atari first, you're right. The games were like complete trash, oftentimes just sort of reskinned same game. Uh, just because they, they needed new games, because they kept pushing out new consoles. And the Atari consoles literally had zero difference between themselves. The last Atari console that came out was a replica of the one that came before it with just a new name and the cartridge slot changed so that the old cartridges wouldn't work on the new one That's to basically brilliant. push more game sales, right? <laughs> and... This is what led to the massive video game crash as gamers started to realize, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, this is like the same shit. We're not getting any graphical increases, although back then, what graphical increases? Like 8-bit. That's <laughs> not great, yeah. but, you know, uh, we're not getting any graphical increases. We're not getting any performance increases. This is just meant to skin us. You know, this is meant to take our money. And gamers woke up and said, no. Uh, the video game game went through a massive slump, and then yeah. what what can be termed as modern video game industry rose up, uh, really with the 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 start of companies like Bioware, companies like EA, uh, even Blizzard Entertainment came along, and those companies uh, have never experienced a recession ever throughout all of the market crashes. Now, one of the reasons that have always been true uh, is bang for your buck video games is the best entertainment you can buy yep yeah, well you know, actually we should say some nowadays in in current times you know, back then yeah bang for your buck video games was the best nowadays right. not as much only on certain games is bang for your buck the best entertainment but because i mean listen Ain't no one hundred thousand dollars for the, there's no amount of hours that I can get out of the Apple Immortal that's gonna just he, here's the thing because some people will even be yeah. like well yeah I mean a hundred thousand dollars nobody's gonna spend a hundred for starters all, some people already did but it's like here's even five hundred dollars which some some people actually consider a reasonable amount for some strange messed reasonable. up reasonable five hundred dollars on a video game seems reasonable to me it's like what Dude, you can buy even five hundred yeah. triple a games exactly for a hundred dollars extra and it's Pain. like listen friggin uh there's no amount of fun that i can get out of diablo immortal that's going to justify five hundred dollars like i'm sorry no. y'all are crazy y'all are delusional and y'all make me friggin sick anybody who spent like over a hundred even a hundred dude even five dollars you spend five dollars on diablo immortal go to hell i don't like you like, i would i, I would argue done. i would argue 
If you spend up to $60 on Diablo Immortal, that's fine. It means you no, paid for a AAA game. it's right? not. I don't think it's fine at all because that game is a piece of trash, dude. And I'm tired of the people that are like, oh, man, underneath all that, there's actually a really good game. No, there fucking isn't, dude. Like, I'm sorry. That thing is like Diablo 3 Lite. It's terrible. Get the hell yeah. out of my sight, bro. It's like, it's a t like, and then people, by mobile standards, like, then your mobile standards are ass and you can go to hell for all I can. Like, but, I'm done, uh, dude. <laughs> the, the argument that I sort of, why I, I say up to $60, different people like different things. I think Diablo Immortal looks trash. People say yes. the graphics are great. I don't see what the fucking graphics are. The art like, style's all right. Great. The art style's it, it, all right. I, I don't mind the art style. I kind of like the art style, but that's that's I pretty much it. it. <laughs> I hate it for the same reason I hated the art style for Diablo 3. Fair it's enough. It's not Diablo. It's it, not Diablo's aesthetic. Uh, yeah. Diablo 4 that's more Diablo, you know, that's yes. the gory, gruesome, gruesome kind of shit. Yeah. I like that a lot more for the Diablo game. I think Diablo Immortal would be fine if it wasn't Diablo. Yeah. Uh, if it was literally any other game, but anyways, it would be okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a, real, I'm a um, realist, and let's get back to the whole, the, the effect on the game again. But, uh, so you're saying right. bang for your buck. That's usually bang what, what you Bang for your buck, historically. So we are talking traditionally. Traditionally, you would go out and let's take a movie, for example. Yeah. You want to go to the movies. You're, it's going to be an hour and a half of entertainment. It's going to cost you anywhere from $50 to $100, right? For about an hour and a half of, of entertainment. Th that's it. Uh, if you just go to the movies, maybe $30, $35. I don't know what the prices are in the rest of the world. In South Africa, it's about $100. Uh, $100? The, the, that you, that to, go to go once uh, to the movie? If it's like, if it's like two people, well, I'm, I'm sort of talking about an evening. So you go, you buy the tickets, you have popcorn, you have drinks. Oh, okay. So maybe, you're, you're going to you have know, dinner and stuff as well? Yeah, yeah. You're okay. going to have dinner and stuff as well. So I'm talking about, you're sort of, let's say, filling up a three-hour slot of yeah. entertainment. You know, so dinner, movie, that sort of thing. Uh, you're looking at about, say, $100 uh, for that evening. $60. That's expensive. Gets you, yeah, <laughs> I mean, South Africa is pretty expensive. Um uh, <laughs> I'm talking nice stuff now, right? I'm trying yeah. to say like peak entertainment versus peak entertainment. Now you could go out and you could buy Monster Hunter, right, for sixty dollars, and that's about a hundred. That's about a hundred hours minimum, and that's like if you're if you're minimum. kind of rushing through the game. <laughs> or Elden Ring, sixty dollars. Yep. 100 hours, 150 hours, maybe 300 hours. The I mean, replayability on that game is insane. Okay, so it's like if you're going to go for replayability, then like, look, I spent 2,600 hours on, on Iceborne, on Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Well, I've spent 700 hours on Monster Hunter Rise. So it's yeah. like if you're going to go for I was just saying like going through the game once. Once off. It's just like yeah. and, and even going fast, like about 100 hours. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing for Elden Ring, kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it's. So bang for your buck, for that yeah. $60 price tag, the amount of hours that you get as entertainment from that game is just, there's no other entertainment medium that provides the same level, at least until Netflix came along. Because Netflix really did revolutionize what yeah. movies do. Because it's $15 a month and you get unlimited access. So it actually made it very, very uh, sort of, uh, attractive i think but this is what caused video games to be recession proof because yes people don't have money and as soon as you know recessions hit and the world is heading towards this recession as soon as money starts getting tight it becomes harder and harder to justify going to the movies 
Because now you start thinking, wait, I don't have $50 to just fucking go for an hour and a half. I might have $60 for a game, but I don't have $50 yeah. for a movie for just an hour and a half, right? So games always have that recession-proof thing. It, it, it doesn't really be, it's not affected because it's cheap relative to what you get. The modern-day video game industry isn't cheap. Not at all. The modern-day video game industry is all about getting the $60 and then hiding so much else behind paywalls, behind cash shops, behind, you know, all manner of shit that this article shows that the video game industry will decline year on year in 2022 for the first time ever. There will be a decline, which is a mark of here's, recessions happening. Here's the interesting thing. I think that yeah. that decline is actually a might actually be a really good thing in a lot of ways because okay. what this at, at least to me the way that it seems is that you know how we have all of these companies that want to just like get a live service model out of you they're like no we want you engaged yeah. in our video game paying for like a monthly fee and we want to put in the least amount of effort possible in getting that yeah. monthly fee out of you for maximum possible returns that's the way that it yeah. feels and by the way for again on, very quickly on the Diablo Immortal thing this is exactly mm -hmm. the Diablo Immortal this, this is literally yeah. what it, it is least effort possible because that's what yep. that game is and getting as much money out of you as humanly possible oh, yeah. is literally the Diablo model and some people yeah. are apparently finally waking up to that fact and I'm not exactly sure that the industry is going towards a recession or if people are just becoming more savvy and being like hey maybe I shouldn't buy this microtransaction because that well, is essentially like the things that really scale up the numbers in the industry. Mm -hmm. You're talking about mobile microtransactions. Like that's the biggest yeah. thing of them all. Hopefully yeah. people are becoming aware and they're stopping to do that. Because if you think about it, imagine, for instance, someone that spent God knows how many money on some random mobile game a couple of years yeah. ago. And now that game is worthless and nobody plays it anymore. Right. I'm yep. sure that there's probably thousands of people that have done this. And now they're a little bit more wise. They're like, hey, maybe I shouldn't spend thousands of dollars on this piece of trash that's probably going to go out of fad in like two years from now or some bullshit. And my money's going to be completely worth it. It's like throwing money into a bonfire. Like, So hopefully yeah. people are becoming aware of that. And that's where that is coming from. Because what yeah. I would like to see is, yes, we need to be making less money in the industry as a whole, because a lot of the money that the industry is generating right now is mm -hmm. not, for starters, it's not ethical, which, you know, some people are like, who cares about the ethics, whatever, the morality or whatever. It's like, okay, fine, you don't care. Yeah. But it's not ethical. But on top of it, it's also not sustainable, as proven, yeah. because now we're going on a downward slope. So I think that this might actually be good for people that are doing good video games, like we talked yeah. about Monster Hunter, like Elden Ring, like other developers, like indie developers that are making actual solid experiences that you can just buy yeah. and play and you don't have to worry about, oh, is this game going to be relevant in two months or whatever? Because because that because oh, everybody's yeah. coming up. Oh, I have a 10-year plan for my live service. Like, oh, dude, get this. Jesus Christ. So, so I can... I can prove that the video game industry is going into recession and it's actually very easy so we know that the world is going into recession no yeah. one's hiding it anymore uh two months ago you know every federal bank and central bank in the world was trying to downplay the risks of recession 
the European Bank uh, like literally just said recession is almost unavoidable for Europe. Uh, Europe had its first ever like they're considering interest rate hikes for the first time ever in Europe. The Fed, the American Fed also now basically says, yes, recession is coming and we have to do everything in our power to get inflation down, even if that causes a recession. There's nothing we can do. So the world is heading towards recession. Recession means less people have money and people have less money overall. Now, the video game industry, all of them, let's talk about Blizzard because that's usually what we talk about on this podcast. So let's talk about World of Warcraft here. World of Warcraft have shifted the way in which they look at their money. This is evident by the fact that in Mr. Pandaria, Blizzard, uh, was it Mr. Pandaria? Yeah, Mr. Pandaria, I think it's Mr. Pandaria. Yeah, Mr. Pandaria, Blizzard stopped reporting on the amount of subscribers that they have in the game. And instead, they shifted to monthly active users as their main uh, reporting that mechanism. beautiful statistic, the MAUs. <laughs> oh, yeah. The reason they shifted to this model for monthly active users compared to actual subscribers is because their principal view of how they make their money started to shift. It was no longer important how many people was actually paying the $15 a month. What was far more important is how many people engage with the game enough that they would buy the stuff on the cash shop because that's where the vast majority of money comes from for Blizzard Entertainment is the cash shop and the WoW token. This is where things really get hot. Now, in a world where everyone is losing money. Like everyone is starting to tighten their belts because people have less money, you know, as fuel start keeps going up, as food prices keep going up. And this is the sad thing is all of this will snowball. So fuel prices are going up because of inflation. As fuel prices go up, food prices will rise because of fuel, but also because of inflation, which means and that this is a snowball. Food, food prices are also going to go up because of the war on Ukraine, because Ukraine exports oh, yeah. an ungodly amount of wheat or whatever. Exactly. And Russia is also making the fuel crisis worse because they also export like a massive amount of gas Oil and whatnot. And gas and and shit. So yep. yeah, the, the, all of this is aggravated basically through it, the, the it, war it on is. Ukraine. It's just exploding. What is already, even without the war in Ukraine, inflation would have happened. The world yeah. printed an ungodly amount of money during COVID. And at some point, the, the economy bites back and it goes, all right, you know, let's start. Let's start our recession. So recessions was going to happen anyways. They're natural. They have to happen because humans are fucking morons. Uh, yep. But anyways, so... As people have less and less money, because you're now spending $100 to fill up your tank, right? And instead Way of buying in food Portugal. for... <laughs> in Portugal, obviously. In Europe, it's actually a lot more expensive. Yeah, exactly. But let, let's say... Okay, let's say it costs you 150 euro, right, to fill up your car, where it used to cost you, say, 90 euro. That's a lot. That's a massive amount extra, right, that Dude, you now I, pay. I remember... Filling up like the tank of, and this was with gasoline, which is more, at least it used to be more expensive. I don't know what the prices are like now because I drive electric, but, uh, um, back in the day I used to have like a, a hand-me-down SUV from my mom. Uh, and that thing guzzled, right? Like it drank a lot and it had a big tank. I used to be able to fill that sucker up with gasoline for 50 bones, 50 euros, dude. And it would fill up the tank. <laughs> Those were the days, man. Those were yeah, the freaking I mean, days. So let, let's say, right? Uh, let's say it was $90 a year ago to fill up your car. It's now $150. Let's say yeah. going to the supermarket, you used to spend 30 euros to buy all the food that you need for the month. 
it's now $100. That extra money that you're spending leaves less money for entertainment. Yep. So the money that you would normally have used to buy a cash shop mount, you're now using to buy food, right? And, and the cash shop mount is not going to take precedent over your food. You, you need to eat. And therefore, you're not going to buy as much on the WoW cash shop. Now, Blizzard have thousands of employees working on World of Warcraft and in Blizzard in general. The, the company is 7,000 developers strong. 7,000 people works for Blizzard Entertainment. Most of those jobs are created because of the revenues generated on cash shops, not on the $15 a month that people pay to actually play the game. This means that as the cash shop starts drying up and fewer and fewer people are actually paying their $15 a month price tag, uh, those people are going to have to be fired. Companies like Blizzard are going to be in a fucking nightmare situation because the money's drying up. People don't have the cash to spend on cash shops, but you have your entire business model based around this, the endless wallets of your consumers. Yep. They're ATMs, but the ATMs dry. So we, you're fucked. The worst part is that we all knew that this, I mean, I think that anyone who took any time to look into the industry, we all knew this business model was unsustainable, oh, yeah. particularly as more and more companies start coming in into the arena and saying like, oh, we're going to make a live service model and we're going to make a live service model and we're going to make an MMO yeah. and we're going to make an MMO. And then you see them drop like flies. You see them drop like flies all of the yeah. friggin' time. And why was yeah. that? Because at the end of the day, there is a very limited resource. Even even if yeah. you could consider money is infinite, there's infinite money to be spent on video games. Okay, you know what is finite? Time. There is not yeah. enough time to play all of these games. And another finite resource is humans. There's not enough gamers to play all of these games. There's too yeah. many live service games out there, which is why I'm always happy when a game is like not a live service. Like some games should be live services for sure. Yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. A lot of games shouldn't. Like, I just want to give you a, like a quick little anecdote here. Do you know that a while ago, there was someone who made a Reddit post wishing that Monster Hunter had a season pass. <laughs> I was like... Okay. I fucking why, hate why when can, assholes go into games that are perfectly fine and they want to inject bullshit dude, into those games that doesn't... It's not needed. I, I, I just... I, at one point, I just want to ask people, like, listen, why can there not be a game that you play and it has a satisfying end game loop and all of that, but you get to a point where it ends where it's like, yeah. I feel like I'm done and I don't feel like playing this anymore. And I had a blast yeah. and I'm good and bring on the next one. Like we yeah. should get to that point more often in video games. It's like you get to the end yeah. and you're like, Hey, you finished it or you played it a bunch until you were like, okay, I feel like I'm good. I feel like I've had my fill. And I'm very happy with what I had, as opposed to like, for instance, in World of Warcraft, what ended up happening is a lot of people, they keep playing almost as if like they're forced yeah. into it. They're just like, no, I, I have to play because this is my game. I have to play it, but there's nothing to do. I'll level up an alt, but I really don't feel like leveling up this alt, but I'll do it anyways because I have to play my video game because this is my one game and I, I have to play it until the wheels fall off. <laughs> it's like, but dude. The the Stop. beautiful thing. So <laughs> just go play uh, something else. Uh, I watch a guy every single week. I watch his podcast. He's an econ economist called Peter Schiff, right? 
Um, and he is a massive fan of recessions for a good reason. He likes them. When I say fan, <laughs> he's, he's what, like, what, this what, is great. People are in the misery. I love it. <laughs> it's not. Hell? It's not so much the misery. Like he explains it actually. Uh, recessions are natural because humans are stupid. Yeah. Right. Recessions happen because we create bubbles. Governments print a shit ton of money. These mo this money is then used to create bubbles. These bubbles have to pop, and that's what we call recessions. If governments didn't print as much money, we wouldn't have as many recessions. But what recessions do, and why he's such a fan of it, is it forces people to be rational again. It, it forces people to go, wait a second, what the fuck have we been doing? Uh, and this is going to happen in the video game industry as well. This is going to happen with things like World of Warcraft. As your money gets tighter and tighter every month, there's going to come a point where you're going to ask yourself, is this worth my $15 a month? Like, is this worth it? And once that happens, I think there's going to be a slew of people that actually end up quitting World of Warcraft just because they can no longer really justify that $15 a month price tag. I'm surprised. It's just too much. I'm surprised that after people like did Castle Nathria and they kept grinding like the mall for that ungodly drought that there was in, in mm -hmm. WoW, I'm surprised that more people didn't just look at that and went, bro, I'm spending $15 a month to do 20 hours yeah. of chores every week to have actually like maybe two hours of fun. It's you're but, paying a company to do virtual chores for 20 hours remember, for two hours of actual fun that you it's that that concept is so weird to me because like the yeah. moment the moment that I was just like, OK, so let's analyze this for, for me. I was like, OK, so I, I, I play about maybe one four hours of Mythic Plus a, a, a week and yeah. I'm spending like 20 hours doing Garb like really the most asinine quests known to man in the most yeah. asinine zone that they've ever developed. Twenty hours of chores a week in order to support yeah. my four hours of mythic plus a week and whatever I did in raiding, which is probably like I don't know, two raid nights, maybe two hours of like eight hours, eight hours of fun, twenty hours of chores. It's like, dude, the balance ain't right here. I'm out. Yeah. I was just like, I went to my raider and I'm like, hey, can you find a replacement for me? And he's like, uh, yeah, sure, fine. I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> it's that easy, but that's going to happen. As the recession, you also have to remember, during that drought, it was the time when governments around the world was printing money and giving people free cash. Yeah. So no one had to be rational. You, you got an injection of $1,900? Fuck. You know, just uh, do whatever the fuck, right? $20, that's nothing. That's good money. Um, this is going to change. As soon as the recession hits, this is going to change. Uh, well, the recession have already hit, but as soon as it gets really severe, more and more people are going to reevaluate, what am I spending my money on? And is this actually worth what I'm spending my money on? And yeah. a lot of people are going to get fucked. I feel like content creators are probably going to be fucked as well. Oh, yeah. As a result of this, I, I uh, we have to, we, because... If you're not very good at what you do and your audience doesn't view you as a, a, a viable element of entertainment within their budgets, you're losing that money, right? The $5 that people are giving you on Twitch, they're going to take that money and spend it somewhere else because uh, they're going to have limited $5 and, and they're going to want to spend it on something or someone 
that gives them the most. Uh, but the biggest winner of all of this, because I predict, this is a prediction, people can write this down. I might be wrong, I might be right, who knows. I predict that we're going to see the closure of at least 80% of the AAA video game industry. 80% is too much. 80% is way too much. I, I would say I like maybe 30 to 40. 30 to 40, if that. The reason I think 80% is we're not dealing with a whole bunch of companies here, right? We're dealing with EA, Ubisoft, Blizzard Entertainment, and Activision. Uh, Take-Two Interactive, uh, who else? Uh, like massive, massive AAA companies. Uh, you could probably say Epic Games, although they just have the one game. No, nah, Ep Epic Games, game Epic Games uh, is going to be just fine. <laughs> yeah, Epic Games, I don't really count them as a, as a AAA gaming company just because they, they do the engine for they're the like, AAA they're companies. Like, they're they don't like really... Valve nowadays. They're kind of like Valve. Yeah, pretty much. Steam and Valve, oh, Steam and Valve is going to be perfectly fine. Like that company yeah. is going to continue making money, and there's a reason for that. But you know, then you have a bunch of AAA companies in in the East that I think is going to get fucking ruined. Like all of those, uh, like Gotcha Games, all of them are fucked. Good. The mobile gaming industry is fucked at Good. the end of this recession. Dude, dude um, listen, let me tell you right now, and I know that this is going to piss off a lot of people. Listen, if Diablo Immortal gets fucked, good. If Genshin Impact gets fucked, good. If more Gotcha yeah. games get fucked, good. If more loot box games get fucked, good. <laughs> yeah. That'll actually make me happy. I'll I'll be here with a big smile on my face reading about all oh Genshin Impact reports massive losses and I'm like, "Oh, I'm so sad." <laughs> you see, we can the reason we can know that it's going to be a lot. 80% might be hyperbolic, but that's yeah. my suggestion. My, my prediction is about 80% of the AAA gaming industry is going to get ruined at the end of this. But we do have historical ways of looking at it and sort of determining whether or not this is true. Historically, the companies that got wrecked, and I mean wrecked to the point of no longer existing during depressions and recessions, have been companies that provided little to no real value. So, uh, you know, companies that, for example, social media companies, they don't really provide any real tangible value, which means that a lot of them are going to get wrecked. Something like Twitter, for example. Think about the actual value that Twitter provides. It's zero. It's a place where people scream and yell at each other and, and say stupid shit. YouTube at least has the, you know, it's a lot of entertainment. Entertainment is good. And also educational. educational There's a lot of things yeah. people learn on YouTube, you know, so... It's probably going to survive. It's probably going to be fine. It's going to be tough, but it will probably be fine. Twitch is pure entertainment, so it it really depends on how much like how much onus people put on entertainment. Twitch in that has regard. been doing Twitch has been doing so many missteps. Like I'm surprised they're still going on strong. To be fair, I'm right there with you. Uh, but Twitch might be fine. Might I say? Video games. Let's talk about video games. Um, does a cash shop mount have any real value? No. We're talking like physical, tangible value. No. No, it doesn't. In recessions, people do not spend money on things that do not offer real value. The video game industry is propped up on valueless transactions. Dude, that's why Dragonflight's releasing in 2022. So that they can get your money before the recession hits at its peak. That's why. I, I, would, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Oh they have God, analysts. Dude. 
I mean, they have analysts. Their analysts have probably predicted this. They probably know that it's coming as well. The issue for the video game industry is most of these companies become so large, it's like trying to turn around a cruise liner versus a motorboat. A motorboat is agile. Yeah. It can go wherever it wants. A cruise liner, if you want to turn towards there, you better start doing it miles ago, right? Because yep. it's not just going to go, fucking there we go, hard right, right? Hard right takes like two, three hours of hard writing in order to get to the new direction. So this is the video game industry. It's too large, too propped up on fake value. It's going to get ruined. If it's not 80% of the companies that closes down, it's definitely going to be, they're going to get butchered. They're going to lay off half their staff, if not more. Uh, they're going to cut back to the bare minimum. You're suddenly going to start seeing games like World of Warcraft again start caring about subscriber numbers because that's the only number that actually still earns money. You're going to see live service games get wrecked. They're, they're going to get destroyed. All of your, but you know who is fine in all of this? Who is going to be perfectly good? Indie. Yeah, indie. The indie game. Yeah. Because indie games. And it's like, are I'm cheap. hoping, I'm hoping that to some extent, this, this is why I make it a point of talking so much about Monster Hunter and Souls games and stuff like that. It's because I'm hoping that at least these developers are able to weather the storm because they are providing actual value to consumers. Like, here's an actual yeah. video game that you can play. And there's a and there's actually a discussion to be had because like this is something that I feel like a, I think Asmongold might have touched up on his topic in his stream um, a lot of times, which is the whole concept of comfort games. It's it's one of the reasons why not many people go out of their like comfort zone to play something like a Monster Hunter or like a Dark Souls because it's hard to yeah. learn. Right. When you haven't, when all you've played is World of Warcraft or some other online video game where, you know, oh, this is my comfort game. I know how to play this game. And then you have to play yeah. another game. There's a period there where you're like, let's say it's three hours for some games, five hours for others where it's like, oh man, this game sucks. This game's terrible. I experienced this with Elite Dangerous where I requested a code from the developers. They were kind enough to send me a code. And I was like, okay, let's do the tutorial because I heard this game's complicated. And yeah. I played the tutorial for three hours and I was yeah. like, I hate this game. I have no idea how I'm going to be able to make a video about this game. The, everything is bad. I can't fly this ship. The, the NPCs <laughs> destroy me. There's nothing I can do. This is terrible. And then I went into the game itself by instead of actually just, you know, playing the tutorials, I actually went into the game and instead of doing yeah. combat, which is what I was trying to learn, I'm just, I'm just going to fly the ship and like care, haul cargo for a little bit to learn how to control the ship. And yeah. it completely changed my opinion on the game, on how it worked and how I liked it. And at this point I have like 400 hours in Elite Dangerous because I loved it. But that's the thing. Overcoming that moment in a lot of these video games of like those three hours where you're just like struggling with the controls and trying to learn and you can't figure it out. And overcoming that moment is such a huge barrier that a lot of people yeah. will put in like 10 minutes of effort and like, this sucks, I'm gonna go play World of Warcraft again. And this is a yeah. huge problem in the gaming industry that people will not leave their comfort zone. They will just straight up stay in their comfort zone and not even try like a different video game to save their lives. Yeah. 
And this oh, is yeah. why a lot of these games kind of just rely on you. Oh, you you want something familiar. We're going to keep feeding you little driplets of content and you're going to keep playing this game until the end of times. You know, there's yeah. not necessarily something wrong with that, but it would be much healthier for people to actually check out some of these other games that, yeah. you know, might have some more interesting experiences for them, even though it takes them out of their comfort zone. It's like, look, it's a three-hour yeah. time investment that you put in to learn a new game that's going to bring you maybe 50 to 100 hours of fun. It's just like, yeah. think of it like that and get out of your comfort zone because this I mean, is why a lot of these companies have been able to stay the way that they are and do things the way that yeah. they've been doing because people don't leave. Like one of one of the yeah. things, one of the best things that could have happened to World of Warcraft in recent years, and I know that a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this. They're going to be mad at me for saying this, but listen, one of the yeah. best things that could have happened to World of Warcraft in the last couple of years is Asmongold stopped playing it for a good long while and went to play another game. That is one yeah. of the best possible things could happen because people are like, hey. Maybe I'll check out Final Fantasy XIV as well. Maybe I'll check it out. And now all of a sudden, Blizzard's like, oh, we got to hire 100 people. We got to make more content because like people aren't happy with the amount of content that we're, we're making. It's like, dude, yeah. this it's like these companies just rested on their laurels. And I'm not just talking about Blizzard. There's like hundreds of companies like that. They just literally just sit on their laurels and like, we don't care. Minimum effort, the MVP, the minimum viable product. We put it out, yeah. out there. People play it and it's fine and everybody's happy. And now all of a sudden they're actually having to compete, which is a good thing. And but, an, another thing that I wanted to bring up to this, which is yeah. another topic that we have, is how did we get there? How do we get here? How do we get to the point where this industry is coming up on a recession? And it is another topic that you wanted to bring up, which is self-regulation. This industry yeah. did not regulate itself despite always being like, oh, yeah, we want to self-regulate. We want to self-regulate. You can't regulate your way out of a freaking corridor with no exits. Just like a, there's a straight corridor. You can't navigate. Your, you can't regulate your way out of there. Yeah. I'm I mean, not even so making sense. <laughs> I'm I'm. I'm not always for regulation. I feel like regulations are yeah. more often missed than hit. Um, and. At the best of times, they're hit and miss, right? Because uh, let's be fair, politicians aren't gamers. They don't have a fucking clue what they're doing with our industry. So their regulations, my my country, by uh, just for a quick example here, my country just banned uh, anyone under the age of 10 from playing video games alone. Like you're not allowed to play video games if you're under 10 alone. Perfectly fine on the face of it. But then you hear about the arguments that they make around why children aren't allowed to play video games of any age, even if a game is appropriate for all ages. Uh, and it's like, dude, do you guys even play fucking games? Like, seriously, uh, games that are marked for all ages tend to be games that have zero violence, like not none of it, because they say, yeah, even if the game is marked for all ages, if there's any sort of killing or any sort of robbing or anything like that in the game, then uh, it's not appropriate for under teens. And it's like, yeah, literally no game that has violence or robbing in it is appropriate for all ages. Like those games usually come with Peggy 13 or M for mature. What are you talking about? You know, so, so, Governments don't have a fucking clue. So I'm usually against regulation uh, from the government. But the problem is that, and yeah, this is another article. It, it actually comes from Vice this time. And it uses the Diablo Immortal to prove that the video game industry have failed to self-regulate. 
it, it, it was supposed, this is what it promised, it said, look, because there's so much competition within our market, we don't need regulation because we're going to keep each other in check. You know, we're, we're going to keep each other in check. We're going to make sure that other companies don't do scumbag stuff because there's so many of us. Yeah. What ended up happening is all of them together decided, let's be scumbags, right? <laughs> and that doesn't work. That's like going to the crime syndicate and being like, hey, you guys can, like, you guys can like regulate your crime it's like don't don't yeah. be too criminal you know just criminalize a little bit just don't be it's too like, too obvious about it dude, and companies are like no we're gonna we're gonna basically they, they started pushing pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and it was slow yeah. it was like the the old boiling frog they just kept pushing and the worst part about the the thing yeah. that gets me the most isn't even that companies are being scumbags because that is obvious they've completely failed to self-regulate they have no control yeah. whatsoever they want all the money in the world and here's the thing yeah. that's what you've come to expect from a lot of these companies and in a certain way i don't want to say that's fine but it's like i expect that i expect them to be scumbags yeah. the worst part the thing that got me the hardest is that there's people in the community defending them and oh my god it drives me up the goddamn wall when people come to me telling me about how much value there is in lost ark and i'm like god damn dude i i can't dude i just can't. if i have to listen to one more person justify a loot box or some kind of other predatory monetization in literally any goddamn video game i'm gonna go ballistic because people have become such sheep such friggin' sheep because they can't recognize yeah. that there's so much more value out there in so many video games and they're like no so i'll just i just play this it's free to play so you know i, I put in like 200 dollars and it's yeah. fine it's like oh but you idiot god the answer the answer to this is rather simplistic right uh and it goes back to peter schiff it goes back to the markets uh recessions happen because of irrational behavior yeah someone that that tells you that lost ark has value and that's why they're spending a thousand dollars a month on the game is irrational it, yep. it's an irrational human being that can't appropriately uh, apply value to the thing that they're doing which is what we saw with the markets tesla at one point was was what almost six thousand dollars a stock or some shit like that uh I, we can't buy tesla stock in south africa so i'm not entirely sure what its exact price was i do know that it was incredibly overpriced to the point where elon musk asked people to stop buying stock because he realized if if the market crashes i'm bankrupt i can't pay you back <laughs> Because you've you've completely overpriced my fucking company to shit. Tesla is the smallest electric company, electric vehicle manufacturer in the world, and yet it's the highest priced in the world. So even Elon Musk was like, "Dudes, dudes, fuck, calm down!" Like Christ, you know, he 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 sold a bunch of his own stock, uh, trying to basically hedge his own bets to try and force the market to go oh wait 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 let's pull our money out let's lower Dude, this fucking price it's like um, look i i'm i'm not going to put too much too much faith on this stuff that Elon Musk does with the stock market when that guy pumped and dumped dogecoin <laughs> And, the, I mean, and he did all of a bunch of shady stuff in the stock market. Dude's like, Dogecoin I, to the moon. And then he sells. And then a couple of days after, Dogecoin to the moon again. And then he sells again. <laughs> it's like, dude, must be nice. I mean, I mean the, the fact of the matter there is I don't blame Elon for that. 
it's legitimate. I actually made a ton of money off of his Dogecoin to the moon because I would buy in <laughs> and then I would sell before it fell. You'd right? buy, so you'd buy the I dip actually, and sell the rip and let's go. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not, I'm not a moron. I know that Dogecoin isn't going to the moon. The coin is completely useless. But hey, you know, if people are stupid enough, they should lose their money. It's as simple as that. Um, the 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 issue that, oh, you know, regardless of what Elon Musk does, irrational people had too much money and they started yeah. buying stocks thinking that the stock market was just always going to go up, right? It doesn't matter because stocks Tesla go is up. just eventually going to be $100,000 per stock and then I'm going to be rich. Hold, Not realizing hold in that, diamond hands. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the issue with this is the stock market is supposed to be the value of a company. So whatever the company is worth, that is what its stocks should be valued as. This is why someone like Peter Schiff loves recessions, because it resets it to its value. It takes all of those irrational people that just threw money at it thinking it's always going to go up, and it basically wipes them out. It says, well, fuck you. You're losing everything. So does that mean, we we're, does that mean we're wiping out whales from free-to-play games? Because I'll be happy about yeah. that. Yeah, screw them, I whales. Think, you get I nothing. Think a lot of, I think a lot of whales are going to get wiped out because Good. a lot of these whales are also people that would be buying stonks and using the money from stonks in order to buy bullshit in cash shops. Good. But more importantly, recessions force people to become rational again. It forces people to look at what they're spending their money on and ask, is this necessary? Is this something I need? The video game industry is completely hopped up and hyped up on things that no one needs. It's built upon a, a sand, like a foundation of sand. It is going to crumble like fuck. Uh, indie games are going to be fine because, contrary to popular belief, indie games do actually regulate themselves because there is a shit ton of competition within the indie market. Just go on Steam, look at the amount of games that come out every yeah. single day. And uh, as soon as one game comes out doing something good, there's about five other indie companies working on the same concept, trying to make a better version of the one that you just made, right? Uh, so ultimately, uh, this is this is true. This is evidence of the fact that you have things like RimWorld, things like Oxygen not included. Technically, same game, same concept, just made by two different companies trying to compete with one another. So they, they try to keep each other in check. Um, I don't know what the future is for, for regulation because I don't think the government is going to be able to. I think these companies are going to crumble so fast that regulation isn't even going to be needed. Um, and I, I, I foresee, you said that you hope Dark Souls games or Souls games will be fine. I think they will. I, I yeah. think companies like CD Projekt Red probably going to be fine because this is another company that historically have refused to put cash shops in their games. They, they've basically worked on the model of you pay $60, you get the game. That's it. Any game that does that, any company that does that is going to be fine because people will always have an extra $60 a month to, you know, buy a video game that they can play for the next 100 or 150 hours. And also think about Souls games, uh, FromSoft. FromSoft doesn't bring out five, six video games a year. Nope. They bring out one game maybe every three, four years, something like that. I I don't remember the actual release dates. My memory is terrible, but they've been pretty consistent. I think it's like two years, maybe uh, two, three years, something like that. Yeah, which means they spend a lot of time on their video games. You know, they, yeah. they spend time, effort, making sure that that game is just right. 
And then once that game is right, that's when they launch it. Uh, those companies are going to be fine. I think Microsoft is going to be the biggest winner out of this recession. Oh, yeah, with freaking Game Pass? Oof. Oh, my God, dude. $15 a month, the same as a Netflix subscription, over 200 games available for free. By the way, not an ad. I'm not <laughs> yeah. paid for, for not Microsoft paid for Game Pass. I just love that fucking service. There's so many games on I'll, there. I just wish Dark Souls would come to Xbox Game Pass. I'll that would be I'll so tell fucking you, cool. I'll, I'll tell you something, though. I'm actually. It's like I have a huge respect for Game Pass, but it is not my. It, it is not the way that I like to consume video games. I like the because the the thing about things like Game Pass is that games go in and games come out. It's like Netflix, right? Me, it's like if I play a video game that I liked, I want to have that video game forever. And I know that you have the option to buy it, discount, all of that stuff. But it's like I just, I just like owning it i like i told you i love physical media even though physical media is so steep on the decline right now that like yeah it's whatever right like oh yeah yeah, you own the disc but you have the day one patch nope well if the servers go down you're kind of screwed either way but um yeah yeah, it's like i just like owning the games that i like and always having them available and not having to worry about oh is this the time that the game's going to go out of the service and then i can't play it anymore and blah, blah blah so yeah, but I, I have massive respect for the for the Games Pass service. I think it's really cool. You see, I I like it because it gives me. There's a couple of games on Game Pass that I actually own. Um, so Outer World, for example, Outer I love World's that game really so good, much yeah. that I just I just bought it as well as its DLCs because obviously the I bought it before uh, Microsoft. Uh, bought the company that makes it uh, Obsidian, <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, Obsidian. Uh, so I bought it. Yeah, I bought it before Microsoft bought Obsidian, which kind of now looking back, I'm like, what the fuck? I, I spent money on a game that's never leaving the game pass ever. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, it, it's it's fine. You know, I have the game. I have its expansions. But yeah, you, $15 a month, you get massive discounts on the games if you want to buy them. If you want to, you know, check them out and then maybe love them. And there's been games. This is the one thing that I love about the, the Xbox Game Pass. It's not a commitment. If I stop playing a game and I hate it, just uninstall it you know no i I didn't make any commitment and you see this is where this is what uh the the modern days mmo are competing with right because for their 15 dollars, people can be like oh i can go grind torgast every week and you know play a little bit of this or i could have access to like i don't know 200 300 games on game pass and play one of those but see Mm -hmm. that's where that comfort factor that we're talking about earlier comes in because somebody's gonna be like well am i really gonna play those games it's gonna be hard to learn yeah. to play a new game is going to be yeah. hard. And I could instead I could just sit here and grind Torghast again or do a raid or, you know, True. go do some stuff in Zerith Mortis for my $15 a month. It's like, hey, fair yeah. game, dude, whatever. But, you know, that is what they are competing with. And this is why, like, you have Final Fantasy fourteen. They are yeah. investing ba- big back into the game. Like, uh, yeah. there was a live letter recently talking about the content that's going to be coming for patch 6.2 and the amount of content that they're putting out on this patch is wild uh for many reasons but one of the reasons is they watched it so don't spoil it what do you mean you can can tell me what content is coming don't tell me about the story Uh, no 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 i'm I'm, I'm never going to talk about story of 14 in here that that would be that'd be dumb but yeah i'll tell tell you that i'm still working no i'm I'm, I'm telling you about the 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 content that they're bringing in with 6.2 
which I haven't looked too deeply into it. I just like briefly browsed over some of the features. I want to make a video on that as well. It's just Sunbreak completely consumed all of my time. But um, yeah. basically, they're adding Island Sanctuary, which is like, uh -huh. uh, you know, people have compared it to Animal Crossing inside Final Fantasy XIV, so I guess something similar to that, which apparently they showed like a picture that showed the scale of the island, and it's freaking massive, like... They had like this really zoomed out shot of the island where you could see like a like you couldn't even see the whole island, right? You could see a portion of the island. And then there was yeah. a dot, a dot in the sand. And they were like, that's a Rogadin, which is like the biggest character in Final Fantasy fourteen. And you're oh, like, wow. wait, what? <laughs> what? Jesus. So the island itself is going to be massive. There's going to be tons of content. They're probably going to be unlocking the content of that island through subsequent patches and stuff like that. So it's not going to be something yeah. that's going to fully unlock with 6.2. It's like, okay, 6.2, you get started, you get acquainted. Then there's more in like 6.3 and 6.4 and whatnot. So, but yeah. Yeah. If island Sanctuary. They're bringing relic weapons, which is a, a massive grind for anyone who's ever done a relic weapon, but it's a massive grind, and it also gets uh, added uh, into throughout the patches, but you get a reasonably powerful weapon, but it's mostly a cosmetic at the end of the day. It's a very, yeah. very pretty-looking weapon most of the time. Uh, that those is going to be linked. Weapons that I see people running around with, right? They're no, well. I mean, there's different ones, because like not every glowy is a relic weapon. It's like... Uh, glowing okay. weapons can be from certain extreme uh encounters they can be uh -huh. from ultimates ultimates are like okay. the the old you know the the ultimate and the all be all stuff, yeah, yeah the hardest stuff but they can be from ultimates they can be from relics uh and i think there's like a couple of more shiny weapons and, and other aspects but like relics are usually just like a big grind and the idea is by the end of the expansion when all the patches have been applied the relic weapon will be the strongest weapon in the game it's like yeah. you can still you can still be fine with using like if you're a savage raider and you don't want to do the the grind you're gonna be missing like maybe a couple of item levels but you're fine uh, but yeah. yeah the relic weapons eventually evolve into becoming the the most powerful ones now the interesting thing is that relic weapons are tied to the Hildebrand quest this time around people are like wait what <laughs> so I haven't done right. Hildebrand I have to go to <laughs> Hildebrand I, I mean I've done I've done Hildebrand like up to Realm Reborn and I think I'm almost coming into Heaven's Word but I haven't done it dude, all the time but yeah I that gotta, I gotta story go is that. fucking wild it's awesome <laughs> dude I, I love Hildebrand fuck. I freaking love it <laughs> But uh, yeah, so, and there's a lot of players like, oh, I have to go to Hildebrand. Oh, it's like, you can skip through it. So it's whatever. And by skipping, I mean, you yeah. can skip the cutscenes if you don't want to deal with it. So it's also the cutscenes is the biggest one. Yeah. Like if you just want to get through it, the, the, the you can, you can do it super fast. Yeah. You can do those quests yeah. super fast. It's just like, if you do, it, it's all about, do you want to watch the cutscenes or not? That's pretty much what it's about. But anyway, so there's the relic yeah. weapons. Uh, there's the new raid tier which uh, is going to be four more bosses for, for the raid. Uh, there yeah. is uh, new dungeons, new trials, which also come with an extreme version. And on top of it, they had announced a new dungeon type that they were going to make called the Criterion Dungeon, which was going to be like a scalable dungeon that you could go in solo if you wanted to or go in with four players, and it would scale appropriately oh, to the level of people. And that's kind of like all they said. And, it, you know, a lot of us were thinking these are going to be more challenging dungeons. So what they did was instead of doing those Criterion dungeons, they're like, okay, we're going to do something that's called a variant dungeon. This is the dungeon that has multiple paths. And depending on the path that you take, there's a different story that gets revealed throughout the dungeon. 
And this is like oh. the casual version of the dungeon. You can go do that solo, or you can go do it with four friends. Should be fairly easy. Shouldn't be too much of a problem. Then they're doing like uh, a Criterion version of that dungeon, which is harder. It's like extreme level of difficulty. And then they're doing a savage version of that dungeon. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Dude, this is why I say Yoshi P is a fucking genius. The dude, like he said in his interview with uh, with Asmongold and Rich, he said he's greedy. Like he literally said, I'm greedy. I want all the players. I, I want everyone to play Final Fantasy. And his way of doing that is to create things for everyone. So that whenever you want to play Final Fantasy and you're a, a, a raider, there, not, there must be raids for you. But if you're a very casual player, there must be casual content for you. This is, in my opinion, uh, Final Fantasy's first steps towards most likely what we know as Mythic Plus in World of Warcraft. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, this is going to be the next step. This is their version saying, okay, we see that Mythic Plus is very popular in World of Warcraft. And one of the reasons Mythic Plus is so popular, people like smaller groups. I myself yep. am a huge fan of Final Fantasy raiding because it's eight people. It's eight. It's me and, and seven other people. You can be friends with those people. You can laugh. It's much easier to organize. It's so much more fun than massive 20-man dungeons that are all right. Yeah. So people love the smaller content. Final Fantasy is going, right, let's give these people that love dungeon content more content to do so that we can get those players in as well. And if they ever do, one of the most commented things on most of my Final Fantasy videos are people saying, dude, I, I I would love to play Final Fantasy, but they don't have a Mythic Plus, and that's all I do in WoW, yep. so I won't play Final Fantasy. As soon as Final Fantasy locks in a Mythic Plus version, there are so many people that's walking over to FA14 yep. to check it out for the first time, because now there's that type of content as like well. Every single time that I've talked about, uh, you know, whenever we're talking about live letters, whenever we're talking about announcements that are coming, my most requested feature is always like, can I get something like a Mythic Plus? And the, the thing was, Yoshi P had already said, look, we don't have the budget for Mythic Plus. We can't do that. Uh, so At we're not going to work on that. Yeah, but it seems... They have the budget now. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> it was like the, one of the first things, like, yeah, here we go, Savage Dungeon. And I was like, dude... <laughs> So the biggest thing is, so far, that's one dungeon. But it's like, I'm assuming if the reception is good, they're going to put like significant uh, effort oh, behind yeah. developing more and more. And that's just yeah. going to be like... so. And, and there's more content that I don't even know about. Like, there's going to be a new Beast Tribe added as well for Gathering, I believe, the Omicron Beast Tribe. Mm -hmm. There's going to be um, new quests for Tataru, which is complete casual content. There's going to be more MSQ. And it's like, this is one patch, the ridiculous amount of content that thing is going to bring. And I find it interesting that, you know, there's been a discussion not, not that many weeks ago that there are some players that, you know, I'm assuming these are people who probably came over from World of Warcraft. And they're like, there's yeah. not enough content in 14. And it's like, oh, <laughs> what do you mean? The yeah, thing is, it's like, you can, you can run out of raids eventually. Yeah. And that's fine. It's like, Hey, look, you did all the raids. Hey, it is what it is. And it's like, if your thing is just raiding, Hey, maybe you've done everything. Hey, maybe you've done ultimates. Maybe you don't want to do ultimates. I don't know. It depends on every, on everyone's ambition, but it's like an ultimate yeah. is going to take 
your average raider a significant amount of time to progress through but it's the same yeah. content over and over right so people are like yeah. oh ran out of content it's like how have you ran out of content when i've been playing this game since uh 2019 i still haven't run out of content it's just there's a lot of times i'm like i don't feel like doing this content right now so guess what i stop playing i play something else and i come back and I but the content's yeah. there there's hundreds yeah. upon hundreds of hours of content in the game it's like it's confusing but this me. is this is sadly this is something for wow players and and they'll get over it eventually as they realize that final fantasy isn't wow yeah and i think they're gonna figure it out with dragonflight like dragonflight is gonna rewire a lot of wow players the reason wow players say there isn't enough content in final fantasy is because for wow players these were the same people that complained that there's not enough to do in zero mortis even though zero mortis by every measurement, is one of the best end games on Blizzard have produced in a long time. I won't call it as good as the Mr. Pandaria ones, but it, it is a good end game zone because everything in there is completely optional. You can or you don't have to. It's really up to you. Um, WoW players are a little lost whenever things aren't forced. Whenever there's yeah. not a list that tells them, do this, then do this, then do this, then do this. You must do all of these things every single day. They're lost because they, they don't know what it's like to log into a game where the game goes, play. Yeah. They play. It's, There's it's, a shit ton to do, but find what you like. Be and Belular, Belular said it best on one of his podcasts where he was like, dude, if Wyvern writing is legitimate, really fun, Players are not going to be happy because they they don't know what to do in World of Warcraft when the game tells you to go have fun. Unless they have like their chore lists and stuff like that, they don't know yeah. what to do. They need their chore list to be like, no, 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 no. I want a clear path towards upgrading my gear. It's like, bro, where's the joy of discovery of learning yeah. about? This is why alphas and betas friggin' suck. Because they yeah. spoil everything for you. It's terrible. Like, one of my True. biggest complaints, for instance, about Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, and this is literally the biggest complaint that I have about the game, is the fact that in their marketing material, they revealed all of the monsters that were in the game. So there yeah. was no surprises. Like, there was no surprises for peop for most people. Like, they just went into the game, and every now and then the game be like, okay, now you go fight this monster. This is the next monster. Okay, I knew that was in the game. And there's no surprises. And it's like, what yeah. do you mean? You got to have surprises. You got to have an element of unknown. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. the betas and alphas in World of Warcraft, they, they don't have that. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people that are worried about the alpha for Dragonflight. They're like, oh my God, the, health, the alpha hasn't started yet. The beta hasn't started yet. And to me, it's like, why on earth are we the players concerned about when an alpha or a beta starts. I mean, I know why, because obviously Blizzard has done a piss poor job of balancing their game of knowing yeah. what the players actually want for their game. So players are used to like, Oh no, we have to go into the beta to tell Blizzard what yeah. to do. We have to tell them how to fix this game that they seem to yeah. not know how to develop. Right. But yeah. it's like, in reality, we shouldn't be playing alphas. We shouldn't be playing betas. No. We should never be doing that. And I know that a lot, you yeah. know, particularly content creators, like a lot of content creators, are, no, I have to play the alphas that I know and that I can create the content, do all this stuff. I need early access and all. And That's like, bullshit. I, I, I actually hate early access to mm -hmm. things. And it's like, as someone that has early access, like I've, I had early access to Sunbreak. I finished the game before the game was out so yeah. that I could put out my review and create content. And let me tell you, I hate that. It's, I yeah. do it because I have to. 
Because that that's yeah. that's the reality of the content if you don't creator. Do it, someone e- else is gonna do yeah, it. somebody's gonna do it, and I'm gonna lose mm-hmm. thousands upon thousands of viewership. It's just that that simple. It's just I have to yeah. do it because I hate it. In my perfect world, nobody would have early access to anything. And bear in mind, like I said, you're talking to someone that usually gets early access. Probably, if I wanted to, I could lubricate some some wheels and stuff around Portugal from for people that work with Blizzard. I could probably get early access to Dragonflight beta and BFA beta and all of these other things. I don't want yeah. to, and in my perfect yeah. world, nobody would, because it's never yeah. going to be fair. Be, particularly, like a lot of times, you have uh, up and coming content creators that are smaller, and they're going to be upset yeah. over the fact that somebody else had access and they didn't, and. I yeah. remember what that was like. I've been there. And that fucking sucks. It really sucks. And it's like, I don't care yeah. if it's IGN. I don't care if it's Kotaku. Nobody. Nobody should have early access. And yeah. I know that people are going to be like, oh, but then reviews aren't going to come out before the game comes out. And then people buy the game. And it's like, don't buy the game until the reviews are out. Why do you need to play well, the game day one? There, there's a simple there, there's a simple thing here, right? Um we're talking about two different things because you can do review copies. Uh, so take all the content creators for World of Warcraft a week before the game goes live. No, I don't want uh, that. You you share it with the people that make reviews. Uh, you, you share it with people that want to make the reviews and the reviews go live day one. Easy. They didn't beta test. They they didn't do anything. They, they literally, they could play as much as they wanted. And you also put an NDA. So they're not allowed to stream it. They're not allowed to talk about it. They can only put it out. Uh, the reason I, I sort of feel like you have to do that is because uh, reviews are an incredibly important part of video games. They are. And a lot of people do actually not buy the game until reviews are out. But also, Good. you know, people don't want to wait. The, the, the yeah. game's live. I really want to play it. But my favorite streamer. And also, the, I, I feel like that would hurt a lot of people because now people are going to go to Twitch to watch someone stream the game because they can't yet see the reviews, so they have to figure it out that way. So I do think reviews are fine. The issue that I have with beta, uh, in World of Warcraft scenes of beta, is it's six months, usually, that people have to basically do every single thing there is to do in the game for six months. Then the game goes live, and also you're allowed to stream the beta, you're allowed to yeah. talk about the beta. Like, you weren't allowed to talk about Monster Hunter. Like You weren't allowed to say even that you had access to it. Nope. You had to wait until the NDA lef- lifted. That's not true for World of Warcraft. Yep. It, I had beta access in uh, Shadowlands. I was allowed to stream the game. I was allowed to make as many videos as I wanted about the game. Yep. I could do everything See, in the that, game. That is definitely, in my opinion, that is definitely a problem. Like, betas and alphas yeah. should not be streamable. You should not be allowed to do it. And you should nothing yeah. of the game should be revealed ahead of the game no. releasing because exactly MMOs live on mystery. Like the the reason people have so many fond memories of vanilla is because everybody was fumbling around and nobody knew what they were doing, and that's why it was so yeah. much fun because everybody's having fun exploring this world. And pretty much, I feel like since when when did they start doing these public betas? I feel like it was Cataclysm. I'm not sure was when they probably started doing it publicly and people were able um, to stream the whole game before it was out. I don't think they did that for Wrath. I'm not sure, though. I think it was I, Cataclysm. I, I genuinely can't remember. The reason, the reason I say... South Africa's internet was just good enough to play the game, not watch Twitch. The reason I say... I have no idea. The reason I say I think it was Cataclysm is because if I remember correctly, that is when 
uh, Total Biscuit was granted access to stream and play. And well, not stream. I don't think he was streaming, but like to make videos about the game where the game was out. As a matter of fact, an interesting little factoid, Jesse Cox's original account was actually called OMFG Kata. Why do you think that was? <laughs> wow. Because he got beta that. access to Cataclysm. His account was called OMFG Cata. <laughs> oh my, I, I did not even know that. But yeah, dude. You see, I, I, there I agree with you 100%. There should definitely not be, it shouldn't be streamable, it shouldn't be spoilable, because, yeah, uh, yeah that mystery is important. Um, but this topic sort of, I think, ties very neatly into the, the, the 100 developers, the, yes. the studio that Blizzard just acquired. Uh, you mentioned that Final Fantasy is doing uh, just incredible in terms of the amount of content that it releases and uh, the way in which they release their content. This is the thing that I find most beautiful. And before we get into the 100 developers, uh, just want to touch on one more thing you said there. Um, I'm not so mad about the fact that some content creators get access to the game and others don't but it would be better if they couldn't stream it because you are yes. creating sort of a class system at that point, right? Yeah. You're creating a system where some people get early access and can spoil everything for everyone else while the rest of you plebs have to wait until the game actually goes live. But, you know, as a smaller content creator myself, and I say smaller in terms of YouTube, obviously not in real life, I'm, I'm probably the biggest content creator in real life. <laughs> um, but as a, as a smaller content creator, I... I don't get access to all of it. Uh, I was briefly uh, on Blizzard's preferred content creator list. This is why I got access to beta in Shadowlands. I didn't get access to beta um, for BFA until very late. Um, and then I got, I actually got in the second week for Legion, I think. But that was luck. That was like, just luck of the draw, I think. Um so, you know, I'm not necessarily someone that gets beta access. That's just the, the game. You know, you have to keep growing. Yeah. So, for example, if I were to contact any company and be like, hey, give me a key, they'd be like, who the fuck are you? Like, we're not sending you shit. We don't know who you are. Um, and I just have to keep working, you know, get to that 100K. Once you get to 100K, they're going to throw keys at you. So then it's good game. So I don't mind that part of it. I mind the part where I'm forced to cover the alpha and the beta because if i don't do it someone else is going to do it but i don't want to do it because yeah. you it want to play the game the story for everyone yeah. you just want to play the game it's like see yeah. the way that i did that for sunbreak for instance is i played enough where i'm like okay at this point i can comfortably review the game like i haven't seen literally all of the content but i did see credits i saw credits and i have a fundamental yeah. understanding of how the end game works i know yeah. pretty much everything there is i just haven't seen everything and that allows yeah. me to also have a certain degree of myth. Like, even at this point, I haven't seen everything. And I know that most people are like, past Master Rank 100, whatever, doing all of the secret stuff. I haven't even seen all the monsters in the game yet. And that's cool because I go into a stream and I'll be streaming the game and having a good time. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, now there's these, that there's going to be these things still discovered. And, I, and I'm still looking through armor sets that I haven't seen. And, and it's cool to have that experience with the community. And that is yeah. something that has been lost in the middle of all of this early access, which is why, to me, I, I'd go the nuclear option, dude. Nobody gets early access to anything, game releases. Like, I think you should send codes, uh, mm -hmm. as in, like, uh, on release date, particularly, like, because there's, there's a problem in this whole situation, which is uh, yeah. New Zealand and Australia. 
because mm-hmm. stuff releases earlier there. So that I'm like, okay, you know, content creators should at the very least get access around the New Zealand release date because otherwise it's like New Zealand and Australia always, always have an advantage in regards to everybody else because shit just <laughs> releases sooner there. But yeah. in regards to everything else, it's like I think it's important that they send out codes because look, I on YouTube money, I'm not going to be able to afford every single game that I would like to cover. It's just, it's just not happening. Forget about that, dude. So, yeah. so it's like, yeah, send out codes, but send them out uh, and in a way that they activate at around like New Zealand time and boom, done. And it's like, I understand what there will you- be problems. There will be problems with reviews. There'll be problems with this. There'll be problems with that. But it is unfair to your average consumer that mm-hmm. it's just like, hey, dude, I want to play the game and I don't want to like be spoiled because to give you an idea, day one of Sunbreak, there were people that like, you know, they don't give a fuck. They have no morals or ethics whatsoever. And they'll just be like, yep, here's a screenshot of the final boss on the thumbnail of my video. Fuck you. <laughs> You're just like, bro, what? that's literally the one monster they haven't revealed in the trailers. And you're going to put it on a fucking thumbnail in a video? Man, fuck you. What the hell? What is going I, on? So here's what I would say, right? Uh, what if we compromised? What if we said... Uh, preferred content creators gets a key that activates three days before with 10 hours of gameplay because that is usually what most content creators do in order to make a review. Uh, The vast majority of reviewers, I myself, play about 10 hours uh, minimum of the game because that gives you enough time to sort of figure out, all right, the gameplay is pretty good, Uh, the the boss fights are pretty good, Uh, the armors look pretty neat, Ten hours. Um, huh? You know, I, I have a I have a decent the reason I say ten hours is most people that do I reviews played, for I games. I played sixty have, hours of Sunbreak before I did my review. I played a hundred yeah, hours but, of Rise before I did my review. Yeah, but also remember you do love Monster Hunter. Yes, yes. I'm talking about just your general review, Andy. So the the channels that yeah. make like reviews of multiple different games. They don't have time to put sixty hours into a single game. They, they have 10-hour slots, and that's what they fill it up in. And in 10 hours, even with Monster Hunter, you could make a reasonable review that sort of says, yeah, the combat is really cool, the fighting is really cool, the spells are really cool, it feels relatively balanced and relatively fine based on my tasting of the game I'm, so far. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go ahead and disagree with you on that. You can't do that in 10 hours for Monster Hunter. I'm sorry. Why I, why I say 10 hours is remember... Now the game launched, you made your initial review where you were honest with your community in saying, I've only played 10 hours because that's all that was available. In the 10 hours, this is what I found that was really fun. I don't know about any of these things because that wasn't available for for my tasting. So I'll have a follow-up video where, so those people that go, all right, this looks really cool, I'll, I'll buy they're going to buy. Those people that go, wait a second, but what about those other things? They'll wait a couple of days extra. Now that you have the full game available, now you can taste everything I, and do a follow-up If I review. had to choose between the current model and that one, yeah, I'd choose. People like, sure, access to 10 hours, whatever, and they can yeah. formulate a video based on that, and that will be like review content. It's just the problem is obviously some, some companies are scummy as hell and they'll front load things. Like, for instance, in the mm-hmm. case of Anthem, right, you had a decent chunk of content, and then suddenly there's that drought where you have to go do the tomb missions, and that's just like, oh, you just yeah. run around through the fucking map wasting time, not really doing anything. True, but this is a game where you sort of... 
tell your community, look, I didn't get access to the end game. Yeah. So I don't know what the end You'll game have, for this game wait. looks like. Yeah. You should wait for my follow-up review yeah. if you want to see what the end game is about. And there's going to be some people that's going to wait. There's going to be others that go, yeah, this looks cool. Let's fucking give it a go. Yeah. They're informed about at least what you've seen, but you've, you've not seen enough to spoil anything for them. So uh, that's probably the best middle ground because uh, the other one releases the game with no reviews, right? Uh, like there's no reviews. And now you have people sort of living in that FOMO world. And we know that FOMO always wins. People are just going to throw their money out at, at it. And uh, you're basically going to tank uh, a shit ton of creators because all of those review Andy channels are dead in the water. They They can't make reviews because, well, what's the point? Uh, the games don't. No, but the, here's, the games are already live. Here's here's the thing, though. I mean, because the problem right now with a lot of people is like they won't do a review because you know Kotaku and IGN already did their reviews, so it's like, well, you know, the big boys already did the reviews, so it's pointless for me to do a review. But if nobody can do a review, then there's no reviews. So if there's no reviews then nobody has early access. Anybody can do a review. Now, the problem, and this was something that already happened in the industry back in the day before they started sending out early codes, was that like some people will do some seriously degen stuff where they're just like, they'll just play the game nonstop, pump out a review as fast as humanly possible, yeah. and that's terrible. Like, I remember uh, Jeff Gerstmann from Giant Bomb talking about how he played through Ocarina of Time in a weekend. That's not a game that you should be playing in one week. Like, you didn't sleep. He was just, like, oh. surviving on friggin' energy drinks. <laughs> he played through <laughs> Ocarina of Time and wrote the review in a weekend. And it's like, that's the, the type of stuff that you can expect if something like that goes live. But yeah. it's like, I don't know, dude. I, I just don't think that the way that things are done right now is potentially the best, is in the best interest of consumers at large. That's no, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Uh, I don't know exactly what the fix would be. We could go with yeah. yours. We could go with mine. Uh, both have still fairly large problems. The yeah. issue in both of those is the scumbag nature of the video game industry, right? Yeah. Um, they, it doesn't matter. They, the, the video game industry is always going to find a way for it to work in its favor until, of course, it goes belly up. Now, let's talk about the 100 new developers yeah. that works for World of Warcraft. Pro proletariat. So this was the yeah. studio uh, that worked on Spellbreak. Now, I didn't really yes. play Spellbreak, but I saw plenty. I didn't of, either. I saw plenty of videos of Spellbreak. And one of the things that I remember liking yeah. is I like this art style. I think it looks cool. I like the, um, the animations that these characters are doing. And I like the fact that they're like... Mm -hmm. They were doing, I think, elemental combinations. So like interactions of like earth with wind to throw rocks or fire yeah. with something else to throw flaming things or, you know, that, that type of stuff that we've seen. Like, oh, you get somebody with the wet debuff and then you hit them with lightning and they take more damage. I think that they were yeah. doing stuff like that, which is very interesting for spellcasting yeah. and whatnot. Now, I've seen a lot of material from Bellular on that studio. Apparently, a lot of them were people that have worked in MMOs before, and they were yeah. kind of interested in doing uh, MMOs. And not just that, but they also did a bunch of stuff that interacted with streams, like video games that were like kind of like stream games that would have chat interactions and, and stuff like that, which is very interesting. So it's like from a yeah. pure perspective of just like okay let's just look at this from the most positive angle possible 
to me, it's like, this is fantastic. It's like 100 new people yeah. to create more content for World of Warcraft. This is this is awesome. Like, maybe Blizzard's actually saying, hey, look at all this content that's coming out from 14. We got to make sure that we pump out content as well because we've been pretty lackluster over the last couple of years. So let's go ahead and yeah. do that. And it does seem like some of those people are passionate about MMOs, which is, again, a good thing because they'll be familiar with World of Warcraft. Maybe they will be able to develop something that is fun for the game. So, like, it... Yeah. On that note, everything seems like it's a, it's an upside, right? And there's more nuanced yeah. things that I'd like to talk about. But the, the way that I look at it is like, okay, let's look at what Blizzard is doing with Diablo Immortal, which is straight up, you know, trying to get as much money as possible. And let's look yeah. at what Blizzard is doing with the WoW token, which again, trying to make as much money as possible to the point where they don't even get rid of bots. Let's be real. They don't get rid of bots Dude, because bots fucking, contribute to their- It's a fucking NFT. It's a fucking NFT. That, that's what the wild token is it's an nft it's an nft marketplace yeah but but it's like play to, it's play to earn yeah but, but but it's like basically blizzard doesn't even get rid of bots because bots buy wow tokens bots buy boosts bots positively contribute yeah. monetarily to world of warcraft despite the fact yeah. that they're basically you know a blight in the fucking game like if you run a bot farm anywhere fuck you and everybody who who does the same thing as you if your house was on fire i wouldn't piss on you to put you out that that's all i'm saying like i fucking load people yeah. who do this botting shit who do this boosting shit that completely remove any and all integrity from the game i have no yeah. respect for any of these people and the fact that blizzard basically allows them to continue to operate unpunished because i mean let's be real if how many videos have we seen from content creators that they can literally log into the game and run into bots mm -hmm. they don't even have to go yeah. looking for them they can just be like oh let me go run uh you know some of these dungeons in uh scc or whatever right in serpent shrine there's a couple of dungeons there and you're just like oh look at that there's like 10 rogues going into the dungeon non-stop it's like dude yeah. if random people can just run into this bullshit you're gonna tell me oh yeah we can't find them it's too hard we can't find them it's uh, you know it, we just can't can't do it no it's bullshit and they know it and they're making money off of it it's that simple so oh, yeah. when you look at it like that the amount of money that blizzard is taking out of world of warcraft why are they going to make an investment to hire a 100 person team and again the eternal optimists we're gonna go like oh man it's great more people to develop for world of warcraft now the cynical in me instantly goes like okay so look bobby ain't gonna approve no goddamn hiring of a hundred people unless he can make the money back okay this yeah. is going to be a significant investment of cash and if they're putting in that much cash into the game then most likely they're expecting to get that cash back tenfold and how are they going to do that? Are they going to be monetizing World of Warcraft in different ways? Now, I made a video about this, and somebody specifically said in my video in a comment, I don't remember who it was, but this person said that apparently there were some monetization stuff in Spellbreak that people were not particularly happy about. I don't know what this was. I haven't looked into it just yet. But, you know, a team that is running, uh, I don't know if Spellbreak was free-to-play or not. I think it might have been free-to-play. Yeah, but I a team that was. is running a free-to-play free game with monetization, maybe Blizzard saw some monetization options. They're like, hey, we could probably use that in World of Warcraft. Let's see how you guys can adapt that monetization model over here. And my suspicion yeah. is going to be that we are going to get some new form of monetization on top of the already disgusting World of Warcraft, the official boosts, not even like the, the RMT boosts, yeah. but like the official boosts that we get, because there's going to be a Wrath boost, just like there was a TBC boost, just like there's probably going to be some other boost for Dragonflight. There's already so, a boost. Yeah, yeah. 
There's so, yeah. already a boost in Dragonfly. Yeah. So so it's like it's gonna be there's gonna be boosting, there's gonna be wow token, there's gonna be uh six month mounts, there's going to be some yeah. cosmetic nonsense probably that'll sell and pets and all this. Like I'm just wondering what's the next thing that justified an investment of a you know, hiring a hundred new people for the development of World of Warcraft. Uh so I actually uh I'll take the eternal optimist uh, point of view. <laughs> there right? it is. <laughs> uh, even though I, I agree with everything you just said, and it is a legitimate fear, and one that I have fucking often when it comes to World of Warcraft, but I'll say uh, World of Warcraft has its back to the wall. It, it is at this point, um, I, I just recently heard rumors that World of Warcraft's player base had once again dipped under a million players. Um, which is really bad for a game that historically have always hovered between three and five million. Uh, at its lowest points, it would be between three and five million. If the game is now once again dipped below a million, that 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 is worrying for Blizzard as a whole. We also have Ian, Ian, that made it very clear in almost every single interview. They're looking at more content more frequently. And then he said something else alongside that. Uh, he said to Asmongold, we have neglected our casual players, and uh, we think that it's important to bring more casual elements into the game, which I think uh, goes hand-in-hand hand with the hiring of uh, Proletariate. Pro um, these are 100 people that, according to what Blizzard have said, they're being, being brought in to work on their own projects. So the, it is in WoW, so they're adding things to World of Warcraft, but they're not merging with any other departments. They're not coming in and sort of, uh, you know, being divvied up. They're not being absorbed. They remain a single team that's going to be working on singular things in World of Warcraft. And to my mind, uh, this goes to that casual argument. Casual content is easy to design because you don't need... Uh, uh, we spoke about this uh, on stream the other day. Think about a jumping puzzle. Kugani... Have you ever done Kugani Tower? In, I've done in Kugani Savage, which is Kugani, and then actually landing on the, the little post at the bottom. Yeah, I tried I tried landing on the post. I fucking missed it, and I said, I'm not going back up there. <laughs> Fuck that. I climbed that um, tower four <laughs> times, dude. Four times <laughs> I did before I landed on that stupid post. <laughs> but that is casual. That is completely casual content. No, that is it, savage, and, bro. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, but, I call but, it Kugane Savage. But no, yeah, you're right. It's, remember, it's casual. It's, yes, yes. It's an easy enough thing to design. Right, it's not going to take a group of developers four years to design Kugani no. Tower. It's probably going to take a group of developers developers a month to design Kugani Tower. Uh, but that is content that is there forever. It is as fresh today as it was when it launched. Yep. Uh, jumping puzzles, race tracks. Uh, Final Fantasy has so much evergreen casual content uh, just built into the game. Casual content, by its very definition, is evergreen. It's stuff that just never goes away because it's not tied to any progression system. It's just things that exist for fun. Um, and I feel like... So Blizzard, have, over the course of their entire history, really, always promised more content more frequently. Their focus, however, have always been on raids. They want to do patches every three months with a new raid 
uh, every second patch, as well as new dungeons, you know, all the hardcore shit. It's never worked out that way. Just never. The only expansion that Blizzard managed to do that in was Legion, and that's because they took the majority of Warlords of Draenor to just work on Legion. Fuck Warlords, right? Uh, so what Legion, uh, I have this based on a contact that I have in Blizzard, they already had patch 9.2 done when Legion launched. So patch 9.2 was already done at the time wait, that Legion wait, launched. Wait, 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 9.2? And not nine point two, sorry, seven point two. <laughs> I was like, um, wow, that that was some really no, no. like five D chess right there. But they were no, already sorry, working I'm... in shadow. <laughs> so I'm sorry. No, they, they had seven point two yeah. ready when Legion launched. Um and then so, you know, obviously they could do it every three months they could have a new patch because they were already ahead so far by the time Legion launched. They were already working on 7.3 because 7.1 was done, 7.2 was done. It was just a matter of... The issue is you can't keep doing that unless you take off every single expansion to work on the next one, which, of course, you can't do. So by BFA, they were already falling behind, and then in Shadowlands, they were right back to where they were before Legion, which is the game launches. Now let's start working on patch 9.1. Uh, 9.1 launches, let's start working on 9.2. Fuck, there's a delay. It's going slow. We don't know what to do. It's all manner of fucked up. That, that's, just the, that's just the gaming industry. And this is because Blizzard's main focus have always been on new content means new dungeons, new raids, new hardcore stuff. Those things take time to develop. You can't just make a, a raid in a month. You can't just make a dungeon in a month. It has to be balanced. It has to be tested multiple times. Everything has to be unique. A story needs to be written for it. It takes time. Uh, so I do think that that's probably why these 100 people were brought in. I don't know about the monetization thing. Of course, Blizzard wants more monetization. It's Bobby Kotick. He, he's, he wants all the money. Yeah. Uh, but this goes back to our original discussion with the gaming recession. It's going to come crashing down because it's not value. And, and value is what people make decisions on during recessions. Is this value? If yes, then yes. If no, then no. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm i not too bothered by... Uh, right now, I'm actually a little excited to see what happens with the video game industry because a lot of these companies are going to get exposed for the bullshit that they've been pulling. And I feel like that's a good thing. Um, the 100 people, I can see yours happening. I can see mine happening. I'm not sure what the right answer is, though. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't another know. another thing that uh, was brought up, I don't, I don't know why um, Force brought this up, but Force brought this up in his uh, news show that uh, they could potentially be also getting hired to do some work on the console version of World of Warcraft if that ever is a thing. That would be interesting as well. I don't know if their game had like controller support or something like that, but it was definitely more action based than what World of Warcraft is, right? Yeah. So they could be trying to work on something for, you know, Microsoft Game Pass. Like, I think that would be interesting as well if that is what they're working on. Because see, right there, you see another revenue source. Hey, we'll get some sweet Microsoft money, port the game over to Game Pass. Yeah. Great. But I don't know if that is the case or not. You know, all of this stuff is going to be speculation as to what they could be working on or what they couldn't be working on. You know, it's it's just one of yeah. those things. 
But again, one of the things that that kind of annoyed me because like I was um, I was watching Asmongold's reaction today. I haven't finished watching that video, but I was watching his reaction, and he was saying that proletariat getting hired could potentially um, make Dragonflight be slower. And he's like, and I'm okay with that, right? And and the thing is, most people are okay with it. We we talked about this in in, in a previous podcast where people are actually asking Blizzard, like, oh no, delay it, delay Dragonflight, like don't release this year, release next year. And it's like, I really do feel like we as a player base, we need to hold Blizzard accountable to their actions. Because let's just be real here. At the end of the day, if they delay, and and, and I know everybody's just going to say, oh, I just want a good game. I don't care if they delay it. I just want a good game. And it's like, yeah, guess what? I just want a good game too. But at the end of the day, if Blizzard feels confident enough to just come out and say, oh, we're coming out in 2022 and that's what we're doing. It's like they need to be forthcoming about the development of the game as well like that's important and the fact that there's so many people that are like yeah i don't care if they're releasing 2023 i don't care then blizzard's just like yeah, nobody cares this hey there's literally no responsibility shit we could have announced yeah. dragonflight in 2021 <laughs> it wouldn't have even made a difference <laughs> it's no. like it's just like we get all the money from the pre-orders we get all of that and then we just release it whenever the hell we feel like it. it's like that's not reasonable because a company that lies yeah. in something like that is the same company that's going to tell you oh yeah dragonflight's going to be amazing it's not going to be any borrowed power it's not going it's all going to be good it's all going to be fantastic and then you know they're just going to do whatever the hell they feel like it because there's no accountability yeah. whatsoever like i feel that blizzard really does need to release this year because otherwise they've okay. proven once again that you can't rely on them. You can't believe a word that they say because they'll just lie about the release date of their game in order to squeeze in some pri some pre-order money. And apparently a majority of the player base isn't even going to be mad. And it's like, what the, what the hell, So bro? I'll say what I said with Shadowlands. And then I got laid down in Shadowlands, which uh, I'm, I'm hopeful doesn't happen this time. <laughs> I don't mind delays if that delay leads to a phenomenal game so if if you're gonna release in 2022 i might be able to overlook a couple of bugs right i, I might be able to say all right it's a little buggy there's a, uh, there's a couple of things wrong but you know they released uh when they said they were gonna release it's all good no worries when you delay though it means that you admit that your game isn't ready and you need time to make it ready if that game then doesn't launch absolutely perfect not only did you lie initially about your release date right in order to get some pre-order money you then lied about the fact that you need to delay the game in order to get it ready and then you lied about the date that you're actually going to launch on because you weren't fucking ready to launch yet you actually had to delay more this is what happened in Shadowlands, right? We got a delay, and then another delay, and then it finally launched, and it was still shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was still crap, which means you've now lied to me multiple times in the run-up to this. So I want honesty. Now, I don't think Dragonflight is going to be delayed at all. I actually think that Dragonflight is already ready to be played. I think Blizzard could launch right now, and the game is done, based on just what they've said but also uh based on historically i hope that's true i think the game is already done 
I also think that one of the reasons for the crazy delays that we saw in Shadowlands is because Blizzard basically did with Shadowlands what they did with Waters of Draenor. They realized at the launch of Shadowlands when the massive outcry happened and people were really unhappy and people were hating on Torghast and people were hating on, on the world and everything else, they realized that this is fucked. They realized that fixing this is a, an astronomical task, one that will mean that they're going to have to pull their developers that is currently working on Dragonflight back to World of Warcraft because as it works in World of Warcraft, Team 1 makes the expansion. As soon as the expansion goes live, Team 2 comes in and they then do all of the patch content and stuff uh, for the game while Team 1 then starts working on the next expansion. Um, I, I don't think Blizzard did that. I think Blizzard said, no, you guys keep working on Dragonflight. Uh, we're even moving people from Team 2 over to Dragonflight to make sure that that expansion is good. And we're just sort of going to triage Shadowlands. We're just going to keep it fucking running. Nothing else explains the nine-month content drought. There's no... How the fuck do you explain a nine-month content drought? Blizzard it, was... It, they, they were having a baby. They were delivering Dragonflight. <laughs> it, it had to be Dragonflight, right? Because, I mean, just quickly, nine-month fucking content drought and what launched after the nine months was Corthia. It's not even as if after the nine months, uh, you know, a massive, massive new zone got launched with multiple dungeons, you know, making it worth people's wait. It was nine months for Corthia. And wasn't it also, uh, what was it called? The, oh, it's, not the it's, it's not the sepulcher, the, the other one. And before the domination. The, yeah, yeah, yeah domination. Of domination. Yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a raid and there's Corthia, which is the only two things which suggests to me that they had a reduced developer uh list working on this. And they kind of used the pandemic as the scapegoat. So they kind of used the pandemic uh because they didn't want to tell players. I mean, fuck, how's it gonna look if you tell players, oh, by the way, We've kind of moved all of Team Two into Team One to yeah, work we, on Dragonfly. We gave up, we gave up on um, this expansion, guys. Yeah, but please, <laughs> but keep you guys keep playing. Money. You guys keep playing, all right? <laughs> yeah, 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 just hang out, just hang tight. No, it was easy to go. Yeah, sorry, guys, it's taking longer. Uh, pandemic, you know, working from home now it really affects us. And uh, players were like, "Yeah, all right, you know, we can forgive that. It's a pandemic. Uh, everyone's late." The the funny thing is that most other gaming companies were late by like a month, maybe two months, not nine months. We're having a like baby, every, man. Uh, every other gaming company was late by like, some of them were late by like a couple of weeks, not even a month. Uh, oh. I think Final Fantasy, how long? Final Fantasy, I think, was, was their patch was delayed by maybe a month. I don't, I don't During, remember how much the, the delay was. I, th I, think, I think it might have been a month month a couple of weeks something like that it wasn't too much yeah no it was it so this tells me that blizzard is just they were hyper focused on dragonflight i think dragonflight is ready it doesn't have as many systems we'll have to wait and see what the open world is like because this i feel like is the last play for blizzard and yeah. if you couple this with what we spoke about at the beginning of the stream the recession is looming people are going to get a lot more rational very quickly 
which means if Dragonflight doesn't knock it out of the park, it might be the last expansion for World of Warcraft ever. It might no, be over I, 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 after no, this. I, th I, think, I think it's too soon to go like that. I don't think it'll be the last expansion. I think they can weather this one. I think the thing is, they will lose a massive amount of people. They will yeah, definitely lose a massive... But I, I don't think it's going to be enough to put them out. But remember, remember, uh, it, under normal circumstances, Dragonflight sucks, right? Let's imagine the world economy is fine. Uh, Russia tomorrow announces that they're pulling out of Ukraine. Everyone's having a field day. China opens completely up and, uh, you know, the world is trading again and everything's just perfectly hunky-dory. So the world returns to normal. We're in a normal situation. Dragonflight launches, it's dog shit. Blizzard loses a lot of players because this is now the third expansion in a row that is shit. Uh, so WoW loses a lot of players, but, you know, there's always the next expansion. We could fix this. It's not a problem. Even if it goes down to like 300, 400,000 people, not a problem. But now you have a recession where you're not, you're not just going to lose some players. You're going to lose a lot of people. Because now even the people that is not quite addicted, but semi-addicted, starts looking at that $15 a month that could be going towards food or could be going towards cinema or something other than wow, starts looking at that $15 and going, dude, I only have $15. Is this worth it? Or could I spend this $50, $15 on something else? And if Dragonflight isn't good, that rationality is going to be like, well, never mind. I'll, I'll go spend it somewhere else because this is yeah. not good. So you're losing that player base as well. The ones that in normal times would have stuck because it's $15, it gives a shit. They're now leaving as well, which makes that group even smaller. But Blizzard as a company is also getting fucked. Remember, it's listed on the stock market. The stock market is taking a beating, which means Blizzard, EA, those companies are bleeding cash at the moment. Now you have an MMO that costs millions to develop with a massive developer base. Blizzard have, I think it's something like 500 developers working on World of Warcraft, active development staff. Bro, those people have to be paid. Blizzard, Blizzard right? stock is rising. It's rising right now because the markets are. Like since uh, the market since June twenty yet. since June twenty eighth it it was at seventy seven and today it's at it's almost at seventy nine. <laughs> I mean, it is down from where it was originally. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I mean, also, if we go, I mean, the thing is, I I keep zooming out. Uh, okay, it's, uh, if you go to six months, then it's a little bit lower than what it was. Yeah. But even then, it's kind of like maintaining. So, but here's the thing. I expect this is not financial advice, by the way. This is based on my limited knowledge of the markets. I expect the markets to recover uh, probably a few times. So what, we're, what we've seen so far for the last month, the markets fall and then they recover. And then they fall and then they recover, but it's eventually going to crash. Um, yeah. This is because a lot of the investors still don't believe that it's going to be a recession. They still believe that the Federal Reserve and the, the central banks around the world is going to get uh, inflation under control uh, without causing recessions because those Federal Reserves guys still say that it's going to be a soft landing. That's what they're creating now. Um, so a lot of the markets are always more optimistic. than So basically, the golden rule in investing is whatever the market is doing, do the opposite of that and you'll be rich because the markets are usually stupid as fuck. But 
so Blizzard is going to be losing money. EA, all of these companies are going to be losing crazy cash as people just don't have money to keep investing because the party is over. Um, now you couple this with a complete crash in your biggest cash cow. It's not hard to see a company like Activision Blizzard going, we can't afford 500 developers on this game and we can't really make this game with fewer developers. Let's just cut it. Just yep. cut our losses and fucking go. This is why I think if Dragonflight is bad and the recession is as bad as I think it's going to be, it's the end of WoW. Because it is going to drop too low and a company like Activision Blizzard is just going to be like, fire the 500 fucking developers, cut the game. Uh, because the overall staff for World of Warcraft is actually closer to 1,000. If you include all of the executive producers and the... Uh, QA people and the general, like the community managers and stuff, it actually comes to almost a thousand uh, people that that is paid purely working on World of Warcraft. That's a giant fucking chunk of people that that work on one game. So I can see things getting really bad, uh, and that's what one should hope that that someone at Blizzard is smart enough to realize that this could happen, and that might be why they've decided to go back to their roots with Dragonflight, you know? Back to a more basic sort of game. We'll see. We'll see if that's the uh, case or not. Yeah. Uh, but, final um, story. Final mm. story, because this is going to be quick, because we're almost uh, out of time. Uh, I just quickly wanted to get your thoughts really on this. Um, did you hear that EA is working on a single-player Battlefield game? Nope. I didn't hear anything about it. Is it, um, what is it called? Is it a bad company game? What was it? Would it be Bad Company 3 or would it be Bad Company 4? I don't actually know. I know that there was Bad Company 2. Because uh, those games know. are very popular. Bad Company, I believe. I believe a lot of people that like Battlefield, they like the Bad Company games. Although Bad Company is not single player. Bad Company no. still had multiplayer. Oh. Yeah. So this is, uh, all it says is it's being made by EA's new Seattle studio, uh, which is being run by Halo's original art director. It's a single-player Battlefield game, which... That's that's just so weird. Like, the whole thing about Battlefield has always been the amount of players that you can squeeze onto these massive maps with massive skirmishes yeah. everywhere. Like, that's the whole thing about Battlefield. Like, why Battlefield to make a single-player game? It's weird. I know they said with Battle 20, Battlefield 2042, uh, they sort of said that they want to spend more time developing the franchise that is Battlefield. Like, they believe that the franchise Battlefield uh, could become uh, something like a Star Wars franchise or, you know, even a World of Warcraft IP. They, they believe it has the legs to do that. I know about um, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure because every single, like their single player campaign for Battlefield 2042 was dog shit. It was a horrible uh, like campaign. Uh, the voice acting was horrible. The acting was horrible. Everything was just weird. So I'm not sure if it's actually going to work, but that is what they're working on. And it is part of their growing Battlefield as a franchise. Um, so I just wanted to, highlight that because it is sort of a, a throwaway story 
Uh, for anyone that's watching that kind of cares, uh, let it, let us know in the comment section. Yeah, what do you guys think it's 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 definitely weird that you would do a single player battlefield like that. To me, is just so weird because I I even remember mm. back in the day trying to set up like bot matches where you'd be able to play with a friend and a bunch of bots in a network setting or something like that because. Yeah. You know, we didn't really have good internet back then. It's like, oh, let's get let's get a bunch of bots and we fight the bots and that'll be fun. It would not, and yeah, it's always been about multiplayer. So it's weird, yeah, to think about it like that. But I've heard good things about the Bad Company campaigns, which is why my mind instantly went to Bad Company. It's Bad Company Three, but I don't know if that is what they're working with or not. I mean, I I could get I could get behind it because there was. I don't know if you remember Medal of Honor. I don't know if that was ever EA or Activision. Who made who who made Medal of Honor? Uh, Medal of Honor was EA. Yeah, I think it was EA. Was it? God damn it! Now 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 I'm curious, but I'm pretty sure it was EA. Yeah, Medal yeah. of Honor. Oh crap! <laughs> Medal of Honor game. <laughs> Medal of Honor video game series, oh, yeah, yeah. EA Canada. Thing. It's EA. <laughs> you get a it picture. Is EA. <laughs> yeah, it is EA. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Those were brilliant. I played all of them. Their single player campaigns were so cool. I remember the first one uh, where you're arriving at the beach of Normandy. You sort of have to fucking rush and you've got fucking Nazis shooting at you all over the place and you're yeah. rushing this church. And it, it was really cool. It was like a really fun fucking game. So if it's something like that, I, I really think a lot of people could be into that. Uh, and it sort of takes the pressure off the multiplayer games, right? Because now they can just launch the multiplayer games as multiplayer. And those yeah. who want campaigns, well, they have a single player campaign that is there. You know, Depending, it's a depending on the pricing, of course, because like usually you're talking about yeah. a lot of these campaigns would be like 8 to 12 hours long or something like that. I don't think it's particularly yeah. reasonable to charge 60 bones for that, right? So then no, again, I then again, they... I don't know. I mean, it depends on how good they actually are. But you, you know, your traditional Call of Duty campaign, I don't think it's worth sixty dollars personally. No, no, no. But I, I think this is also why they have this new studio, the Seattle studio, with the Halo One art director running it. They're probably looking at a good forty to fifty hour single player game. You know, yeah. and if it's a, if it's a, if it's anything like what Open World have become. You're most likely looking at the kind of thing where you're going to be able to set up bases, set up checkpoints, attack different checkpoints. So imagine a, a sort of Far Cry 6 scenario, you know, where you have to conquer the whole map and that is your single player campaign, uh, as it were. That's probably the level of games because EA is scumbag. So they're going to go for like the Ubisoft Far Cry model. Yeah. Almost guaranteed. That's going to be the kind of game you're looking at. Just war. You know, it's all out fucking war. Um, and... I'll still play it because I like uh, I I hated Far Cry 6 but I still played it and there were parts that were kind of cool until you realize that it's all the same shit it's all the um, same thing over and over yeah it's just a different part of the map but anyways yeah I just wanted to get your thoughts on that uh, and probably let people know that it is coming they're working on it we'll see how it goes anyway guys that is going to be it for this episode of the Frozen Sodium Throne. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If yep. you did, hit the like button, subscribe, bell notification icon, all that jazz. There's going to be links to Echelon stuff in the description of this video. We'll see you guys in the next one. Stay strong. Stay safe. Peace out. Peace.